Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fort's Comic News, episode 337. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-hoster, Mike. What's going hey. on, Mike? Nothing. That's a lot of episodes. 337. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and count all the point ones and see where we're really Yeah, at. it's actually, because we could be at like 350, probably over 350 now, right? Probably close to four. Oh, shit. Wow. There's a lot of point ones in there, man. What happens when we hit a thousand? I don't know. We'll talk about it when we get there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we do have an interview on the show uh, before we start shooting the shit like we usually do. Uh, John Dexter will be on mm -hmm. to talk about Dime Story Detective on Kickstarter. So we'll be chatting about that in a little bit. Um, fun comic book story, Chris. Uh, to be as vague as possible about my job, I have a coworker, um, and they have a relative that works well it doesn't work for but writes i don't know how how it works but uh writes articles for back issue magazine oh so for those of you that don't know what back issue is i'm holding it up in front of me right here i got a, i got a couple back issue magazines back issue is a comic book magazine um i know that's kind of like a little redundant because comic books are sometimes called magazines but this is a comic book magazine in the sense that there's articles written about new comics old comics uh this specific issue is a tribute to um, George Perez uh, after his passing. So um, the gentleman goes by the name of Jim Ford. So he found out that I have a podcast and he sent me this nice little blurb here. And I'm going to read it on the podcast uh, because it is, it's very nice paper too. It's like, it's like a good stock paper, thicker than printer paper. Uh, when, when he found out that I have a podcast, so he, like, and I guess, you know, uh, it's this person's dad at work and he's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I get all the back issues. I'm not really in, into comics though. He's like, I'll bring them in for you. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, this is what, uh, Jim Ford has said and shout out to Jim and, uh, the writing that he's done, uh, some, for some articles. So he, uh, Jim Ford is an occasional contributor to back issue magazine, a publication of tomorrow's publishing. So that's who publishes the magazine. They do several others dedicated to the comics of the Bronze Age from 1970 to early 1990s. Jim is a big fan of the Legion of Superheroes. And this is why I, want, I wanted to read this to you, Chris, because we, we could definitely have some thoughts about this. Jim is a big fan of Legion of Superheroes and has written several articles on their history and also articles on the X-Men, Galactus, and a tribute to the late great artist George Perez in the current issue. So he actually does have an article in here about George Perez. Uh, Jim was keenly disappointed by the recent Brian Michael Bendis Legion of Superhero series and hopes that failed attempt does not ruin the Legion for decades to come. <laughs> but he, he knew nothing about my interest in comics, but I I wholeheartedly agree, Jim. <laughs> it's so funny because I really like that series. Yeah, I mean I I I enjoyed it, but like it really fell short for me as like, you know, we're it we're never going to see the Legion again. Like, where are they? You know where it fell short? Well, oh, two things on that. Yeah. One, it fell short on that um, Justice League Legion crossover. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's where especially you, because if I go mm -hmm. back, I remember you really liking it. I think that's what really, like, yeah. and then I schemed got the, you to the point where you're like, I'm done with this shit. Yeah, they brought that in, and I was like, where is this going? Yeah. And yeah, it was bad. Like, that yeah. was a bad series. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But the, the Legion stuff before that, I really, really liked and think it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I would say to Jim, I mean, much respect. Uh, thanks for hooking up my boy Mike here, and yeah. um, 
yeah, come on the show sometime. Yeah. But uh, what I would say is you wouldn't have gotten a Legion book without Brian Michael Bendis. That's true. Yeah. If, if Brian Michael Bendis wasn't writing it, I don't think anybody. There, there was no, I will guarantee you, nobody at DC was like, we need a Legion book. To this day, you still haven't seen yeah. a Legion book. Right. You know why? Because Brian Michael Bendis, the fucking superstar he is, walked in and said, I want to do a Legion book. And they're like, sure. Yeah. And it would take somebody of that caliber again, like mm-hmm. Chip or Tom King or, you know, name it. Yeah, right. It'd right. be like, I want to do a Legion book for them to be like, okay. But what, like, give me some more Gold Lantern. I need that story. Yeah, the Gold Lantern thing was, uh, that was a thing. I stuck, through so. that, yeah. I stuck through that versus miniseries. <laughs> yep. So underwhelming, that yeah. Gold Lantern thing. You're so waiting for it. Dude, um, y- years. Yeah. Z- the stupid gold lantern never again that's almost as bad another great series but just almost as bad as when they finally gave us the orange lantern creed and jeff john's just like shat out this shitty creed yeah larflees does yeah oh dude yeah so fucking bad we don't but also shout out to jim again you would actually appreciate this article so his article talking about um George Perez is actually his first exposure to George Perez was the Avengers number 196 with Taskmaster on the cover. Very iconic cover there. Great run of Avengers too. Yeah. So he has a whole article talking about that and George Perez. So I feel like you would appreciate this issue too. Um, Back issue. I'm told a really good magazine. Yeah. I think I'm actually going to subscribe unless I can get them for free for the rest of my life. But um yeah, you can subscribe to six print issues. They have a whole like pricing guide on the very back. Here, which is very very uh, helpful so i yeah, honestly yeah I, I never knew it was a thing chris so i feel like a, a dunce <laughs> oh yeah i know there's a few people that read it and they rave about it and yeah if i had more time basically if i wasn't doing this yeah and something i'll talk about in a second right um i would probably be subscribing to it because yeah i've heard it's really good and probably right up my alley yeah some really cool stuff um yeah. and then just a shout out i picked up uh the Superman manga you talked about, loved it, finished it this weekend. Uh, all about food, all about Japanese food. And it made, dude, don't read this book when you're hungry because <laughs> it like describes every meal. And I'm like, come on, man, you gotta, you gotta chill. I love So I, we'll talk about what I'm reading this week a little bit later, but yeah. I'm so addicted to Death Note that I, I bought the Joker one uh-huh. and I still haven't cracked it because I'm, I just, I immediately finished um, the Death Note manga and yeah. just ordered the next one because I was like, I I need to keep going. It's so <laughs> so fucking good. Um, but yeah, I, I love that one because it's it's so Japanese. Yeah, and it's so what like a, a manga creator would do with a character like that. I yeah, I adore that book. No, it's, I think I think it's really well done. Like you yeah. said. And I did pick up the Joker one too. I found both at the store the other day. So nice. I will be reading that. And then one more thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, I have not read it yet, but I got this in from Zoop, my first Zoop physical book, Chris. Holy this shit, they do come. Yeah. The co- <laughs> the comics for Ukraine. I don't know how long ago I ordered this. It's uh it's been a long time, but that's the so this is the comics benefiting all the proceeds go to Operation USA. Uh it's a charity that funnels donations to many in need across the globe, but there's some star. It's a, it's a star lineup in here and Alex Ross doing the cover. So I had to grab this, this nice 
this nice hardcover. So I'm going to be reading that at some point. I've had the worst luck with Zoo. Actually, yeah. So I'll give a pass because one was Charlie McKelvey, and I got his book from Zoop. Okay. I'm still waiting on a Dracula book. Oh. And then there's two other like hardcovers I'm still waiting on, and it's been a while. And the whole thing about Zoop was like the creators aren't involved with the shipment and stuff, right? Yeah. And I'm starting to wonder if their shipment plan is not so great. Although Charlie did tell me yeah. when we talked that you don't have to do it. You could still fulfill yourself. Okay. They just offer that. So a lot of creators are going there because, hey, it takes that weight off my back. Right. Right. Okay. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I got this one. This is the only physical one I've ever backed, I think. Or, yeah. Yeah, because Caffeinated Hearts wasn't a Zoop book, was it? Was it Kickstarter? That was a Kickstarter book, I believe. Yeah, so. We'll see, but this one took a while, and uh, something happened where I had my original address in there, and they said, thank God they emailed me and said my address wasn't in my profile, but it was. It was my old address, so I, it would have got shipped to my old place. Yeah. Um, Actually, now I think about it, I got four Zoop books I'm still waiting on. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's not a good <laughs> one out of five <laughs> deliveries is not good. No, it's, <laughs> it's not, not good. a good that's not a good that's and, not the, a good and the one was zoop. charlie who i believe did his own fulfillment oh, so. really yeah it's not a good look no i've i've passed on some critiques criticisms mm-hmm. to people that are close to people at zoop mm-hmm. and said like you guys need to fix this shit like i dude their their updates are awful yeah. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. They're awful. And uh, I'd like, I shouldn't have to go hunting for updates. Yeah. That's, that's, I, there isn't really an update page kind of like Kickstarter has that whole yeah. like section. But as people have told me on the back end, and I, I do agree, fairly new platform, still working yeah. on a lot of kinks. It's right. not like Kickstarter, it's been around for like a decade. Mm-hmm. So it takes time. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. So I, not a Chris and Mizzou, but I still think it's a great platform. I just, these need to be shared so they can be fixed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. But, I agree. uh, oh, I started a thing. Well, I'm starting a thing uh-huh. this week. Well, started when this comes yeah. out. Uh, so everybody can go over to Chris's comics corner dot substack dot com. Oh. And, um, I just, I've been wanting, I did some writing for some a website for a little while. Uh huh. Um, to not get too much into it, but like wasn't getting paid. So kind of teetered out of that. Mm-hmm. And I just been having an itch to do more. And uh, so I'm going to do, I'm guaranteeing two a week. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do some reviews as well over there. So cool. My first one will be a review. Well, it's coming out Wednesday. So it already been out. My first one's a review of uh, David Pose's new book, uh, The Devil That Wears My Face. Mm-hmm. and that'll be out and then i believe i'm still working out schedule but there's gonna be two more and the two guaranteed every week are going to be my kickstarter spotlight where i'm going to talk about a kickstarter campaign that's going on cool um and the second one's going to be a retro reread mm-hmm. which i'm going to pick some old books that i like and just talk about them either issue by issue or a couple issues at a time or something like that that's cool. And uh, I haven't decided quite yet what the first one's going to be, which I probably should if it's coming out Friday. But uh, 
Uh, that's all right. Just wing it. But 2024 is going to be the year of ROM, and we're going to do the entire ROM series. That's awesome. Yeah. So the ROM fans will be happy. Yeah. All two of us will be all two <laughs> so <laughs> happy. There's another one out there somewhere. Um, that's awesome. That's a really cool idea. So yeah. Chris's Comics Corner. Chris's, com- Chris's Comic Corner. Yeah. So I've had that um, name line around for a while. I yeah. Use it. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good one. It's the alliteration. Can't beat that, man. Yeah. Uh, what, what, oh, I just came up with one for myself Mike's Magazine Mansion. Oh, all right, all right, that's Mike's new YouTube channel where he reviews old Playboys. Oh, I was gonna say old penthouses, but we're on this. <laughs> no, I'll keep it classy. Playboy, yeah, keep it classy. Playboys have the articles. Um, yeah, so uh, let's some, look forward to that YouTube channel. <laughs> some funny enough, somebody sent me. This is legitimately a. I, I'm reading it for the article. Yeah. But somebody sent me an old Playboy, like a digital file, mm-hmm. because they did a whole like um, interview and mock up and everything about Jerry Seinfeld during the Seinfeld era. Really? Yeah, and he's actually on the cover of it too. That's it's wild. really funny. Yeah. That is wild. That's so funny. Is he in a like a speedo? <laughs> No, he's wearing a Letterman jacket, but the Letterman jacket has like the Playboy logo on it and everything. Oh, that's so funny. And then it's got some some chick on a what I think it was like a stripper pole <laughs> next to it. it. Yeah. It's really funny. But I was like, oh, this is great. It's so, so funny to see like that. Jerry Seinfeld because he was like always the no the no raunchiness co- comedian, you know what I mean? Yeah, he was like the Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah he's 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 the one you can take your kids to, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. Oh my but God. dude, there's some old like I think it's TV Guide where mm-hmm. they all dress up like all four of the Seinfeld cast dress up in BDSM outfits. Really? Yeah, like there's some raunchy stuff from back in the day. It's that's hilarious. Yeah, that's, I love seeing the old stuff because I love that show so much. Yeah, there's some raunchy episodes of of uh, I mean, quite a few of them of Seinfeld. But yeah. All right. Well, I guess with that, Chris, uh, let's talk about TV that we watched this week. Uh, Star Wars. Ahsoka, episode seven. You're still not watching it, I'm guessing. I still haven't watched it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode was... So basically, Ahsoka makes it to the other galaxy. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has to fight off some of the stormtroopers and everything. There's some great... like There's a great space sequence in this where they're in an asteroid field and they have to go down to the planet mm-hmm. while they're being followed by um, some basically tie fighters mm-hmm. great sequence there uh some lightsaber battles because um ahsoka and the the sith lady who i'm deeply in love with uh battle it out and then the whole group gets together so ahsoka and uh sabine and uh ezra are all together mm-hmm. we could see ezra using force powers again cool. uh, he's he's kind of so he's so Sabine has Ezra's lightsaber, mm-hmm. and Sabine tries to give it to him and is like, "Hey, like this is yours. You need to use it." Like mm-hmm. Sabine still hasn't fully embraced like her Jedi training or anything, so she's still using blasters and shit a lot. But Ezra's like, "No, nah, I don't need it anymore," and he just like basically just force pushes everybody around. It's pretty funny. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, being passive. But yeah, so they, they get attacked and then fight it off and on to uh, the next episode. And there's a, there's a really funny sequence that's going around online where uh, Thrawn is just trying to collect data and everything because mm-hmm. he's going back. 
And one of the things is like, I need to know everything about Ahsoka, including who her master is. Mm-hmm. And so now like the meme everywhere is just like, is Thrawn figuring out who her master is because during the Clone Wars cartoon, Thrawn not only fought Anakin, but like at one point had to fight beside Anakin. Oh, okay. So yeah, there's like, there's a lot of great memes going on about that, but it's a pretty awesome. good episode. Uh, I mean, to see how they wrap it all up because uh, that was the penultimate episode, Mike. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh boy. I think what's going to suck about this is it's going to be, I mean, even if it, the last episode is just garbage, this has been a a good, a really good series that I've really enjoyed bringing back Mm -hmm. the characters I love. Uh, But the fact that it just leads into something else. Yeah. uh, Is going to be the downer about it. Cause now I'm going to have to wait for the real conclusion. Yeah. And uh, I did see there was a leak trailer for star wars acolyte online i did see i caught a glimpse of it today uh and i couldn't make out because you know someone's holding a camera it's hard to see what really happened but i saw a bunch of lightsabers lighting up at the end of it <laughs> people started cheering so i was like okay that was pretty cool well Ac- acolyte's the one about all the bad guys if i'm remembering correctly. yeah yes yep so, that'll be an interesting series i i'll be interested to see who they bring in and what they decide to do with that but yeah yeah it will be uh, the Boys Gen V came out, everybody. This is the spinoff of The Boys show um, on Amazon Prime. And I will say, while episode one... I, so I've only watched episode one, and there's three episodes out. Uh, this this timeline of this show takes place directly after what happens in the last season of The Boys, because they've already been mentioning that stuff in the mm-hmm. episode. And they so mentioned it further yeah. in two and three. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. And I, I do, I do like that. They're not like, they're still like paying attention to all that stuff, which is good. Um, for me, episode one, uh, I, there was a lot of like, holy shit moments. Uh, there's a lot. I, I call this the X-rated X-Men show. <laughs> it's really <laughs> like at least the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh no it's about right yeah there's um you know we hang some dong in the first episode a couple times uh the the getting punched in the dick scene was pretty great (laughs) the because there's all the all the comments oh yeah yeah Yeah, so (laughs) the the comments about like the dude who goes flame on and like his dick is always out and then like when they're fighting he gets punched (laughs) oh yeah yeah Yeah, the uh, flaming cucumber yeah the flaming cucumber uh that was pretty good i do like the main character i think her her backstory is kind of interesting because like you know the day she found out she had powers she murders her parents so our our main character has dead parents so they're going to become a a superhero eventually right (laughs) that's how that works yeah um but being the one who killed them is pretty messed up so uh, I think that that was pretty interesting. Her backstory, her like you know PTSD because of all that gory shit that's happening around her. Um, it's hard for me to say any more because I haven't seen the next couple episodes. But I I, I do think I'm going to enjoy the the season. I I like what I saw so far. Yeah, you will because I so the first episode I watched and yeah. then I put down and I was like I don't know about this show because it was while the story was really good and enjoyable. It has so much of the teenage drama stuff that it turned me off. Mm. Um, that being said, like the next day, I, I picked it back up and was like, "Well, I got to give this show a shot. Like, I got to, yeah. 
you know, it's, it's in my DNA. But this the next two episodes get much better. Like they they still have a lot of that teenage drama stuff, but it is toned down by how good the story is. Mm-hmm. And you're right in like the X Men thing is 100 percent on what they're doing. Like yeah. And I like how later on you'll see that they get into the main character, like her, not only is her power like disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so right. her powers yeah. to control blood. I don't know if you yeah. said that. Or she's not. bloodbending. Yeah, I haven't talked yeah. about that. Yeah, she's a bloodbender pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And it not only that, but she's um a black woman. So like mm-hmm. it leads into the whole like, well, we need into the like the the dynamics of like the politics behind Mm-hmm. creating the perfect team and, and what yeah, it looks like right. to the public and all right. this stuff. They talk and about her, that, yeah. her doing what she does in episode one leads her up the ranks and people start to notice her mm-hmm. and she becomes popular. And it's, it's kind of like an underdog story of like this, you know, the Cinderella story of yeah, this person who shouldn't be the the big top hero is now becoming it. It, it I think the the first episode is interesting to me because they treat it like like college football, right? They're like, yeah, like if you didn't come from a rich family and you don't have access to the internet and like you don't have a popularity behind you or something, it's like, or like any any other type of club in college, like there's there's a lot of politics involved, right? Like you can't yeah. just you can't just have really cool powers that like save people. They're just like, no, nobody knows who you are, so you're not going to get the shot. Um, yeah. Which is which is pretty interesting how they treated that. Yeah, and you'll later on you'll see like people make comments about like, mm-hmm. well, you know, she'll only be popular until she gives someone hepatitis or something like you know oh, things right. like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. So the politics behind and it what you just said goes further because like mm-hmm. one of the dads of one of the kids gets into it and you could tell like he was a, a big superhero back in the day, so now he's forcing his kid to do it. Uh, okay. you know, the old yeah like the, yeah thing. yep exactly wow okay yeah. um yeah there's a lot of good stuff in this this series i i look forward to continuing it i but, do think uh, they they definitely put as much effort into this as the boys i would say 100 percent. like it's yeah, like there's it no it's right yeah. in yep mm-hmm. um that first episode has that shocking moment so there's a girl that turns miniature yeah um, and there's a whole sequence where like she hooks up with some dude and she just yep. gets really small and crawls on his dick. Yeah. <laughs> but that was like, it was, it was like hard to see, but it was also super depressing. Like, cause the way she uses her powers, she has to, she's like uh bulimic, right? She has yeah. like make herself throw up, which is awful. And so like, she just wants to be a normal person, right? You have these like people that have powers that want to just be normal. And yeah. And you'll yeah. see how that plays in later on too. Like there's, yeah there's a lot of good in these first three episodes and I think it fits in really well with the boys. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of some, not a lot. Some of the characters from the boys proper mm-hmm. do make cameos. So cool. we do get to see them throughout it. Uh, mm-hmm. As you saw, like Homelander makes cameo, but it's as like news shots from what yeah. happened in season three. So yep. Yep. that continues. But uh, yeah, just really good show. I, the boys continues to just be a well-written, well-made TV series mm-hmm. as Greedo tries to climb on the keyboard. Yeah, Greedo, Greedo just agrees. That's all. Yeah, I'm excited to watch more. Um, I yeah, not knowing that there was several other episodes out. Uh, so, movie news: Troma Entertainment 
their big budget reboot of Toxic Avenger from Legendary Pictures got its first trailer this week. So Chris is going to run it. Uh, it's they do this whole like old school, like 90s weird. This is like something you'd see on Adult Swim at like 3 a.m. You know what I mean? And this is the quality of the original Trump movies right here. Oh, OK. Really? Like this is. Yeah. If you go back and watch those, this is what these are. Uh huh. And so they're paying homage to that with these this sequence. Yeah. And kind of the overtopness of it all. I'm not it's the a, biggest trauma fan. I've seen right. Toxic Avenger, and that's about yeah. it. Yep. But yeah, this is definitely along the lines of it. So Toxic Avenger is just a mutant superhero, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. New Jersey's greatest superhero is the whole thing. <laughs> and I know like the nasty lads that they mention here are yeah. in the original movie. Um Let's see. Coming up here, right there is Peter Dinklage is one of the characters. Oh, okay, yeah, Peter Dinklage is in it. Okay, yeah, Frodo's in it. I forget his actual name. Oh, um, shot. Not. I was gonna say Shia LaBeouf, but um, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Yeah. Did it say Kevin Bacon? What the fuck? Kevin Bacon's in this. I saw Kevin Bacon's name. Let's go back to that. Yeah, and Kevin Bacon. And Kevin Bacon. Yeah. uh, Peter Dinklage. Jacob Tremblay. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of money put into this. Uh, yeah, but I like that they're keeping. It seems like from that one trailer, from that one minute trailer, mm-hmm. that they're putting a lot of the care into making it feel like a trauma movie. Still, just a trauma movie with a budget, right? And, right. Uh, and I'll be interested because we were talking off uh, camera that they did a toxic Avengers comic at Marvel back in the nineties and legendary is the one making this movie. Mm-hmm. We should see if they, they try it again, try to they do, do a toxic comic. Avenger comic because yeah. legendary has a comics division. So I'll just do a reprint of the original. If they have the rights, I guess. I'm sure if the rights are fl- whoever has the rights right now, I'm sure that's in the cards. Yeah, it's gotta be, but I'm even talking about like, a sequel to this, you know, like, mm-hmm. or if it's successful, you wait to the second movie and do a prequel to the second movie, which would be exactly what I just said, just in reverse. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> See, yeah, th- there's some cool things we've done with this. I, I look forward to this. I'll, I'll definitely go give it a shot. Um, Tox Avengers fun. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody, we're going to jump to this interview we have with John Dexter about dime story detective. And uh, Dime Store Detective. And uh, we'll see you all on the other side. All right, everybody. I've got another very special guest for you all. I want everybody to welcome to the show, John Dexter. Welcome, John. Sorry for the late late show up time, but uh, I'm here. ready to go. All good. All good. So, uh, John, first time being on the show. uh, We're going to talk a little bit about your, your series, Dime Store Detective. And uh, we'll get into that because you're currently running on Kickstarter. But I got to put you through the gauntlet. So uh, let's hear the origin story. What got you into comics? And uh, when did you decide you were going to start writing these things? Oh, I'd say like any kid growing up, I love Spider-Man. I was a kid of the 80s. So Spider-Man was pretty, pretty big. Spider-Man and his amazing friends was uh, very popular. But it wasn't until in my early teens when um, I watched uh, the X-Men cartoon on Fox Kids. That was just a huge influence on me, still is. It was the first time uh, 
teens and kids had watched a comic book characters in a serious tone. It, it very, um, a lot of relatable characters in there, a lot of angst <laughs> and, uh, you know, discrimination and, and all the serious topics that you weren't used to as a kid in comic books or watching them on TV. So it really, um, <clears throat> it really made me just become obsessed with the X-Men and Wolverine. And I was using my paper route money to buy back issues of the X-Men, anything they had to do with Wolverine and Sabretooth. Um, I was, I was all into, so. That, that, that was really Batman animated series for me. I'm sorry, what? That was Batman the animated series for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, it's about equal, 50-50 people. I, Batman was cool, but I'm definitely Marvel. And I grew up a Marvel guy. Um, but Batman was really cool. I just, I liked, um, I liked the tone of uh, the X-Men. And so it's, it's really funny then, because, uh, sorry to cut in again, but it's really right. funny because I, I love the X-Men cartoon as well. Like those are two staples. I watched my father growing up and everything. And I grew up to be a Marvel kid still. And to this day, like love, there's a freaking Marvel banner right there. Yeah. Um, but never got into the X-Men other than that cartoon. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I think Chris Claremont had the best, the longest run, the highest quality run of the longest run of anybody in comics. I mean, his his run with the X-Men is kind of unparalleled, really. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I was pretty big until Onslaught, and then I lost all interest. <laughs> you know, like every, everybody else, it seems like in the early 2000s, uh, you know, Marvel ended up declaring bankruptcy because they just oversaturated the market. So, but um, now... And then in two early 2000s, Brian Michael Bettis came and uh, Mark Millar and started the Ultimate Universe. I kind of got back into it for a long time. So. Yeah, definitely. I, I Like I said, I, the only X-Men I got into was when Hickman took over. And as soon as he left, I was like, yeah, that's enough. I, <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know what it is. X-Men just never really clicked for me. Yeah, um, yeah. But I will fully admit that I've never really dug deep into the Claremont run, and that's one of my like shame list items. I I, I call them the shameless, where there's yeah. these books that everybody should read in this industry, but we all have ones that we never read, and like you know books like you know Watchmen are on there, and, and Sandman, so on, so on. and Claremont's X Men's on there. Um, for me personally, that's on my list that one day I will get to, but I just never have the energy because X-Men just never really appealed to me. Yeah. Well, it's to, to each their own, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but yeah. So, I mean, you're reading all that growing up, you're loving it. I mean, when did you think, Hey, I think I could write one of these, or I have a story I'd like to get out in this format. Uh, when did that pop in for you? I've always been writing ever since I was a kid. It was more towards the screenplay, uh, format i was a big fan of movies classic movies uh, of course you know like most little kids in the 80s um star wars was a huge influence almost as big as uh, x-men really so i've always been writing but i kind of wanted to be a screenwriter and then when alpha dog's idea came around it was definitely geared towards more of a comic book genre um these talking dogs, you know, I don't think it wouldn't really play well with the movie audience. I don't think so. I decided to make my, well, my second comic book, I had written one called Steelhawk about over 10 years ago. And that was a flying turd. <laughs> it was my first foray. And I think I sold like five copies. So 
that was my first comic book. And then uh, I kind of gave up on that and just went back to screenwriting until Alpha Dogs. And it just it fit real fit really well with the comic book genre. It's about these dogs that have their own distinct abilities. It's the main focus of the story is about name is a dog named Buck who is inspired by my own dog uh, Pitbull Mix. Mine was Pitbull Mix. This is a pure Pitbull. Buck has the ability to heal from any wound. He's smart enough to understand human speech and he has heightened strength. Him and his owner and this older grumpier Pitbull that shares in his abilities around the run for mercenaries that are attempting to kidnap the dogs to manipulate their powers. Um, they lived in seclusion with their owner all their lives. Um, and Bunk thinks his owner can do no wrong like most dogs until she brings a new boyfriend home. But little does she, and she reveals the dog's abilities, something she's never done because she's so smitten with this guy. Um, she's lived a very lonely life um, living with just her and her dogs. But little does she know that her boyfriend already knows of the dog's abilities and has created this formula that once in possession of their blood, he creates his own dogs with their own distinct abilities. So it's kind of act like X-Men for the, for dogs, sort of to a certain extent, but um, it's a fun read. It was, got, it got funded on Kickstarter issue one. And now I'm on my seventh Kickstarter with my other title, Dimestore Detective, which is a totally different genre, but uh, just as entertaining. Yeah. I, I know I've seen alpha dogs in the, the wild, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's always kind of in the periphery. I see it. And the one that always pops up, uh, the one that the cover that always pops up when I see it is this one right here, uh, going to your Kickstarter for new. Yeah. One. That's, that's been one of my more popular, um, covers for sure. That's, that's been my po- most popular variant. Uh, that's my star Wars homage cover. Yeah. I, I wanted to do it after my all time favorite movie. So, and it's, I either see this one or I see this one right here. Two well, homage was, covers. <laughs> those are my two newest covers. That's for issue four. That yeah. uh, my last Kickstarter. And it, yeah, it does seem like a cool series. And I think the, the covers really pop for it and, and make it. Yeah. And you can buy all all four issues that are currently out on this Kickstarter for Dimestore Detective. So if you missed out on Alpha Dogs, uh, you can catch up. It's a great place to catch up with the series, too, because that's the first story arc is issues one through four we start out with buck seemingly dead on this beach abandoned and he uh heals from his wounds because he has the power of regeneration and throughout the series we flash back to try to figure out how he ended up on this beach um abandoned and in issue four at the very end we answer that question so it's a nice bookend to the four issues so it, it's a great place for someone to come in to read read alpha dogs it's it's got a lot of um it's uh growing the audience is growing for it so um it's something to check out too are those four issues like the first story arc yes yep yep okay yeah and then in between funny enough i've been seeing dime store detective running around and it it always intrigues me a little bit because i like crime noir stuff and uh Anyone that does this, and I'm sure people listening to this aren't like me, where you run into so much stuff and you're just seeing stuff all the time that sometimes you don't connect the dots that one person is making both these books. And especially with someone you don't know. And so I've seen both of them and been like, oh, this looks intriguing. And then, oh, that one looks intriguing. And never really pulled the trigger on uh, getting into them. And to find out it's the same guy, 
is really cool because it, it reminds me of one of my favorite writers, Chip Zdarsky, who oh, yeah. you can just you can buy two chip books and they're not the same in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are definitely very different. If you like crime noir, then I think you'd be a big fan of Damsel Detective. Yeah. It's um, I kind of describe it as Stephen King's it meets true detective. It's not to say no one's ever done a noir supernatural story, but it very rarely do they do. It's almost its own sub genre. Um, it's about this detective named Donald Mackinder who is, really uh, vilified by the other cops in the high brass. He kind of, I don't want to say plays by his own rules, but he's definitely a maverick detective. He's not trying out there to kiss butt or anything like that. Um, we start out where he discovers the third victim of the serial killer. She's left on display in this Christ-like display in the woods uh, in the Appalachian Mountains. And she's incidentally, coincidentally, over the burial grounds, the detective's father and uncle had buried multiple bodies 40 years ago when they were involved with this moonshine war. Um, I kind of think a very dark um, episode of Dukes of Hazard. These two cousins are moonshiners, four generations of moonshiners, uh, very proud family in the mountains of um, Georgia. And then the Dixie Mafia comes in, this gang, to push them out of business, but they're not about to uh, you know, roll over. They go to war with these guys. And in the process of finding a new place for their still, the cousins come upon this cave hidden in the Appalachian Mountains. And there's always been a folklore to the Appalachian Mountains of, you know, Bigfoot or strange disappearances in hidden caves. Well, they come upon this hidden cave that's got a slate over it um, and go in, of course, instead of heeding the warnings uh, drawn on the cave of this creature uh, with people with spears fighting it, um, hieroglyphics, you could you could almost say, they enter the antechamber and release this evil entity uh, that's been trapped in there for hundreds of years. And I don't want to give too much away of the story, but you can probably see from this cover behind in the background, that's the two cousins and one of them is possessed by that evil force. So and it, the story goes back and forth 40 years when the detective is eight years old and the kind of the moonshine war that goes on when the, when the detective is a little kid and this evil entity that's possessing his uncle and all the fallout from that. And it just, it, it really turns the city upside down. And now 40 years ago, maybe this malevolent force has returned to wreak havoc on the detective and his family. So it's an exciting series. If you like hard-boiled stories, kind of like your Alley Confidential or your Brubaker stories, but then something totally uh, different mixed in there that with a supernatural feel to it, then then you'll enjoy it. You're not going to see another comic book on, on the shelves uh, like it. You said the magic word, everybody, Brubaker. One of my, yeah, probably my I'm favorite writer fan. of all time. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, he's definitely in my top three. I've got Brubaker, Ryan Cave on, and Oh, I don't know, probably Chris Claremont. So those are kind of my, the three bigs. But yeah, I, I read a lot of Brubaker. So if you if you like Brubaker's um, stuff, then I, th I think you'd like it. So when when you first did Dime Store Detective number one and you have Alpha Dogs going on, was there any trepidation that you're doing something so differently different than the previous book? Or is it all about just, I think I have a great book here and I just want to get all my stories out there? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, if I, I could have played it safe and did like um, offshoot of Alpha Dogs because that's kind of been gaining in popularity, um, but I would felt very sure, and I really can't help myself. <laughs> you know, I, I just I think Dimes for Detective is a great story. I wrote it um, in a fury. There's eight issues in all, and I, I would write an issue every two days, and I wrote all eight issues in in the month, less than a month, so. All the issues are done. They've been done, and um, I'm excited to reveal each issue. They're they're really fun reads. Uh, like I said, it's it's not something you're gonna find anywhere else. I don't believe. Um, but if you like, like, I said, if you like, if you're a fan of True Detective or LA Confidential or those hard boiled noir books uh, or comics, kind of like that Texas Blood, um, Chris Condon who writes. Um, this Texas Blood and the Enfield Gang Massacre. He read it and he wrote a very glowing review that uh, he allowed me to share. So there's a lot of people that have come to enjoy it. That's awesome. So, I mean, let's uh, move over to the campaign here. Yeah. So as we're sitting here today, you still got a couple weeks to go. Um, haven't quite hit the funding goal, but it looks like you're going to get there with your momentum here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely been a slow month, I think, for a lot of people's Kickstarters. Um, but uh, going on shows such as yours uh, helps a ton. So, I mean, talk a little bit about the creative team here. Who's uh, who's doing the art for you on all this? Uh, so, the artist, his name is Alfonso. Um, they're they're from they're Stone Tower Studios out of Argentina. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they've done work for Marvel, DC, Boom. They're just they're the best. Um, but yeah, they encompass everything. Then uh, Lucas Sharita, he's does all the um, the lettering and does all the technical aspects of it. Helps with the page breakdowns. Um, and then uh, there's um, oh boy, I'm sorry, I'm getting <laughs> getting brain fart. Uh, Lu- Lucas, there's another Lucas. He does the coloring as well. Um, and yeah, they just, they're fantastic. And I've had them throughout the, uh, throughout all the series because they do such a great job. But uh, yeah, uh, I, oh, I'm trying to get his name. Uh, Alfredo Ret, Retmar uh, is the, is draws it and does all the inks. And Lucas uh, Orita does the colors. Yeah. And you can tell, I mean, I, I got to read issue one and look through it. And you can tell with the art, what's always important about a crime noir book is the art. Like, yeah, it's, it's so important to be able to. It's not like a superhero book where you can tell the difference between Superman and Batman, even if it's drawn kind of poorly. Yeah. With a detective book, like everybody has to feel unique and have a lot of expression. And that, that can be tough for artists. And I think your artist nailed it on this because every character yeah. has a unique look and you can you can follow who's who in each panel, which is yeah. quite the accomplishment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, they just a great, did a great job with the tone, with the coloring. It gives it that real noir feel to it. And in the story, because we go back and forth 40 years uh, throughout the story, I wanted to make sure nobody got confused and also kind of give it that old school feel too so in the present uh it's in color and then when we flash back to 1981 it's in black and white to help differentiate plus i think it gives it a nice 
a nice feel to the old to the old uh, dime store novels too. So I wanted to, to, like I said, not confuse people because it you know once you start confusing the reader, then you then you've lost them. Definitely. And for for the campaign, you've got a bunch of different covers, like cool covers. Yeah, that's I that's mean, the throwback to the dime. So obviously, taking the name Dime Store Detective, it's it's got the dime store novel that pulp feel to it that they used to make on the covers they they would do really dramatic covers you know the lady uh, tied up some now in the 50s it was usually a mad scientist because they're in the nuclear age you know but you know they would have these scary ghouls in these dime store novels from the 30s and 40s so i wanted to capture that with the coloring and, and the tone for this first cover then we got the second cover, which is our, our background here of the two yeah. cousins. Yeah, they're, the, they're cousins. Everybody thinks of them as, they're called the Mackinder brothers. People think of them as brothers because they're so close, but they're actually cousins. And here uh, they're on top of the car that's kind of a character in itself, uh, 1973 Plymouth Barracuda that the Moonshiners outrun the cops with. And, you know, people familiar with that, like Dukes of Hazard, they would have souped up cars to outrun the law back then. So there's, for my story, it's a 73 Cuda, which is, I'm a big fan of, and it's passed down to, from father to son. So the detective in today's time period is driving around the Barracuda. Yeah, and this cover in particular, uh, obviously, I mean, this is a compliment. Uh, it depends on how you feel about the series, but it really reminds me of a crossed cover. Okay. And the, the detail of it and like the brutality of it. Yeah. And it really pops off the, the page. Yeah. I like to have, as one of my brands, I like to have a, a cover that's really up close in your face. I did the same thing with, with uh, Dime Store 2. There's a great cover on Dime Store 2 where they're at a church and um, I just want that close up, like right in your face, uh, variant covers on there. To, plus to give it a totally different tone of the other covers. We have cover three here. This is my movie poster cover. So here you see the cousins um, entering the cave with the, the warning on there. And of course, you know, guys in their 20s are not going to listen to a warning. They're going to keep on going. <laughs> yeah. So I almost hate to admit this, but what, what movie is this? Because I'm not getting it. Oh, it's not a movie. It's, it's just a movie. I want oh. a movie poster feel to it. Yeah, it's not after movie. I just it looks. I wanted something to look really dynamic, um, kind of like a movie poster. I always feel a little dumb with the the movie homage. Like, dude, the comic homage covers, I can get almost every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But the no, movie not, homage movie. ones, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a movie homage. It's just I wanted to have that movie look to it. And that's yes. trailer two, which is a great trailer. So we got three great covers and that kind of leads us into what people can expect for rewards. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got a lot of the basics. You got the digital, you got the yeah. print. Well, it's, it's a 28 page comic. So there's some things that are my people might say, well, that's a little, a little more expensive than a $10 comic. But nowadays, you know, if you're even a lot of times, some comics are just 21 pages. So for this being 28, 28 pages, I, bump the price a little bit, but still compared to a lot of Kickstarters, it's not, I mean, there's, I see a lot of Kickstarters that are going at 15, 20 bucks for a book. So I kept it at 12 and then 14 for the new one because, you know, I'm trying to get it funded. 
Yeah, I think 15 has become standard. Yeah. I, I still personally, I I always, the line used to be 10. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can fiddle with that line a little bit, but I've noticed more and more 15 well, or higher. Yeah, and that's because the prices have shot up. I mean, yeah. we're in an inflation time. That's probably why Kickstarters are not doing as good as they did, say, six months ago. Um, so you could kind of have a little cheaper, but boy, the, you know, the cost for everything has went up so much that I, you know, creators are forced to bump up their prices a touch. So, but there's ways to get around it. Like with here, you can get it for $14 or you can get the collector version, which on this one, it's $17. So it's $3 more, but you are, your name is added to the thank you page. Uh, you get a, Kickstarter exclusive sticker. I signed the comic book. And so you get a lot of bank for your buck. It's a few actual goodies. As we yeah, as we go down, it's a lot of adding on to what we had. So different covers, all the covers together, signatures. Yeah. And then I was looking earlier. So you can get the whole series with every cover right here. Yeah, yep. Every cover that's been made. Um, I'm running out of the regular cover for issue one, so I want to jump on it if you uh if you're so inclined. <laughs> the the retailer yeah. package. Yeah, I do those for only ten bucks a piece. And then uh, and then this is actually, in my opinion, the best bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised no one has jumped on that yet. I'm only offering it to three of them because all I have uh, for the for the original artwork is issue one. The rest were done digitally. So I've, I'm not going to have very many of those that I'm going to want to let go. I've, I've already sold five prior, for previous Kickstarter. So um, I'm only going to offer three. So yeah, I'm a little surprised that no one has jumped up on the original pages, but that's going to be that's going to be it. Yeah, I see original pages go for two or more. I mean, oh, yeah. I've got, I kind of screwed up on placing it if you're watching the video version, but there's an original piece of art behind me, and that's a, a, as much more than 140, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, and so to get an original p page from the, the series at that price is, is really good. Plus, you're getting the book as well, and you're getting all the little um, extra rewards too. Exactly. That. And then these are always interesting to me, the virtual meet and greet. Have you gotten anybody to jump on that? Um, from previous campaigns, I have. I've been lucky enough that one, one person will jump on it um, usually. So no one has yet, but I throw it out there just in case um, somebody wants to be nice and uh, give me a nice big um, chunk of money to uh, to talk to me. Well, and. Do you offer anything those meet and greets, or do you guys just talk about, uh, you know, oh, just whatever or... we talk about? Um, usually just talk about the comic book and the process of creating one. Okay, so so you do get some people that come on and are like, "Hey, I want to create my own. I want. How'd you do it?" That yeah, kind of like, but like I said, it's it's mostly somebody that knows me. I've only had one person that doesn't know me that that uh -huh. buys it. So, but yeah, it's I, always. It, it's always just an interesting tier I see here and there. And a lot of times yeah. it's meet and greet with like advice and all that. Yeah. Well, like I said, whenever they want to talk, I'm just uh, happy they want to support the comic. And then the always appealing stretch goals. So talk yeah. to me about these stretch goals you have planned. Yeah. So this one, the 3000, you get a higher paper stock. I, I hate because, you know, people are spending a lot of premium to support your Kickstarter. I try my best to make sure 
the quality of the comic is top notch. Uh, it costs a lot of money for the artist because I want a really great artist. So if we're able to achieve the 3000, then I can afford to get higher quality pages for the comic. And uh, the 4000, it's uh, exclusive. It's not this one. It's, it's going to look a little bit different than, than this exclusive print. So it'll be really cool. And then of course the 5001 is those bookmarkers. And 6,000 coming soon. Yeah, by some chance. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, and then you show some preview pages from yeah. the issue in here that kind of emphasizes what I said earlier about the art and um, yeah, the characters. Yeah, it's great artwork. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I liked it. Like, we go from these these bright moments inside, uh, inside with the detectives talking and everything and then just, bam, straight to the occultists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. And then uh, for add-ons and everything, I mean, I'm sure you have add-ons. You talked oh, yeah. about alpha dogs. Is there anything else like kooky and fun in the add-on section? Uh, well, there's you can get your own, um, which is a tier as well, your own custom toy Barracuda off of the comic book. Like I said, the, the car is kind of a character in itself. It's it's the bootleggers, moonshiners, getaway car. And then it's passed down to the detective, a really awesome, if anybody's familiar with the Barracuda, 73 Barracuda. And so I wanted to kind of do something as a fun reward and also an add-on. So we do a custom packaging. My wife does it uh, for a toy Plymouth Barracuda that's modeled after the car from the comic book. Oh, that's really cool. Did you guys hand paint it or did you get somebody to, to make it? Uh, no, it's not so much the car. It's It's... But it's the packaging that that's uh, custom. Okay. She does a lot of work with uh, with doing the patterns. She does the cricket stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the comics is a family business over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She helps edit uh, my scripts as well. So she's been a huge help. Awesome. And so you said this is planned out to be eight eight issues for the whole yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. If we can keep 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 her moving and keep getting funded, like I said, it's it's been a a rough month, but that's I think it's been it's from what I understand it's been a rough month for most Kickstarters. So any any little bit helps, and if you back it now, no funds come out until after the campaign ends and and it's successful. So a lot of people wait because they think, well, I don't have the money right now, but actually uh, nothing comes out until. Well, it'd be 19 days from now when the, the Kickstarter ends. Yeah, I can promise everybody it gets dangerous because then you have four that end at the same day and you didn't realize <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's yeah, the the campaign looks great. I mean, the book, the first issue was a lot of fun. Um, and you see, you see the love in the book and like the art and everything. But when we get down to it, so is issue three done? Is it ready to be printed? We're over halfway done. Yeah. Okay. There, uh, there's this, uh, yeah. So it's over halfway done. I project that I'll be able to start mailing them in December um, at the latest, but I'm, I'm shooting for November because I've got the Motor City Comic Con. It's the biggest Comic Con um, in Michigan, one of the biggest ones in America. Um, we, had, we they just announced um, two of my 
some of my favorite actors, Ralph Macho and the guy that plays Johnny Lawrence, um, Cobra Kai, Karate Kid, they're going to be there. So I'm, it's a huge get, and I'm really excited to meet them. So I'm hoping to have the comics done for that show, which is in mid-November. We'll, we'll see. It'll be tight, but uh, that that's my that's my goal. But over half the comic is done, so I don't I don't think it's going to be an issue. Um, but it always takes a little bit longer than than what you perceive, uh, especially towards the end. Yeah, definitely. So I guess I, I was going to ask if there was another campaign in, in, uh, in your thought process right now, but it seems like if the book's still in process, you're probably just thinking about getting this issue done. Oh, yeah, uh, issue yeah exactly. You're trying to get it funded. That's That kind of becomes your obsession. Plus, you have a, a day job as well. So um, <laughs> right now, I'm just concentrating on trying to get Alpha, I'm sorry, Dumpster Detective funded, get that together. And like I said, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and if you like issue one, you're really going to like what comes out next. Cause issue one is always the tough one because you're setting up this world. Uh, you got to have some exposition. You just try to keep it as fun as you can with giving origin stories of, of these characters. So once issue one's done is when I can really kind of uh, expand and get into the real heart of the story. So it's, it just, the, the comments just get better as that goes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, issue ones, it's it's always tough because, you know, uh, we're all kind of feeling the tightening of money these days. Mm-hmm. And you said it's a tough month for Kickstarter. I think it's been a tough year for Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, it has. And for me personally, as a reader, across all, you know, whether it's Kickstarter or whether it's the direct market and my big two books I buy and everything, you get an issue one and you're like, sometimes you're like, well, it was okay. And you you don't want to go and keep reading it because money is tight, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. like you really got to give a book a couple issues to kind of oh, exactly. get in. Yeah. But yeah. I think you did a good job of setting it up well in issue one to intrigue people to get the issue two. And that's, that's a big, big uh, get right there. Yeah, I believe so. And money is definitely tight right now. So what I kind of reduce them as best I can. And if you get all three issues on digital, then it's only 17 bucks, which is pretty cheap, uh, especially nowadays, expensive as everything is. So I have that tier that's um, been pretty popular. I'm more into the printed page, um, but so I made it as cheap as I could possibly is for the one, two, and three is $35. Um, so I try to try to combine it because it's 14 for issue three. And then um, that it, the cover for issue uh, two was 14 and then 12. So, but I've reduced it down to 35 for one, two, and three on print, and then 17 for digital it's because, you know, it, it is very tight. Uh, my, my alpha dogs, which Four, which was my last Kickstarter before this, I had most backers I ever had, but I had the most digital um, tier sold than I ever have by far. So people are definitely, you know, they would support the comic, but they're getting a lot of digital tiers now because everything is so expensive. Yeah, that was, I was just having a conversation with somebody behind the scenes about that because they weren't offering digital. And that's always so confusing to me. It's like you already have to format it for the printing. And I understand it's a little different to format for a digital read. But it's similar. Like I, I've yeah. done it before. It's similar, mm-hmm. and it just seems like free money. 
even if yeah. two people get it, it's like it just seems like free money to me. But, yeah, it does. Now, you do make more. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I make more money when people buy the comic just because, you know, to print is not that expensive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's the what people perceive, I guess, that, well, the, the creators make more money off the digital when really we make more money off the printed. But like I said people don't have money and you got to pay for shipping and stuff. So it gets a real expense for people. So it's I, always a great idea, I think, to offer the digital. Yeah, definitely. That's I bought cool. a lot more digital than, than print myself as much as I like print. I know a lot of people that are switching all digital just because of yeah. space more than anything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, I think it's really important to support the digital market. Even if I personally don't prefer digital, I do read some stuff in digital. I get review books digitally and everything, but mm-hmm. I buy my books every week in print. Uh, that's how I want to read them. But yeah, um, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I'm a big print print um, advocate. So yeah, so John, I mean, the book looks great. Uh, it looks like you're you're gonna fund before this is over, and uh, I have faith in you. And uh, I hope everyone go out there and checks it out. But if they want to follow you online, is there a place we can send them? Do you do you make poor life decisions like go on Twitter or anything like that? <laughs> well, that's my Twitter handle. Yeah, is uh, at Real Alpha Dogs. And uh, then for my Instagram is Alpha underscore Dogs underscore Comic. And I'm on Facebook. All you got to type in is John Dexter. It's usually at the at the top because I've got a few followers. Um, so I'm, I'm easy to find on social media. Awesome. And to everyone out there watching, listening, uh, standing in a room while somebody else is listening, I'll have the link in the show notes down below to the Kickstarter. So make sure to click on that and check out the campaign and uh, see if it's something that interests you. And if you're into crime noir, Brubaker stuff, I'm sure it will. So, um, John, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me today. And uh, best of luck with the campaign, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And we're back. We're back. So, uh, yeah, Dime Store Detective on issue three is on Kickstarter right now. Uh, it's got about a couple weeks to go. So check it out. Back it now. Look at all the cool stuff. Yeah. Some fun detective stuff. So, yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about comic news. During comic. Marvel, During Marvel's Death of the Venomverse event, a new character was created that hit the Venom fans known as Kid Venom. Uh, okay. Now Marvel has announced that Kid Venom will get his own comic from creator Taigami, who will uh, write and draw the issue titled Kid Venom Origins Number 1. Interesting. So the kid is like a samurai or something? No, I got no clue. Okay. <laughs> I'm not reading Death of Venom. Oh, okay. I was like, maybe you know who this is. That does not look like a comic book cover. That looks like some fan art or something. It's, I think it's a Japanese creator. Okay. Cause like just the title looks like really poorly photoshopped. You know? it, it, it looks like a cheap manga. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah, it does. But I don't know. Dude, the, I think it's Death of the Venom verse number two is his first appearance. Uh huh. And it already goes for like a hundred bucks online. Wow. Really? So like people loved it, uh, and it, I'm happy that they're going to do more if people enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, but I got no, I no, I, I <laughs> no, just no, <laughs> no, not a fan. Um, I yeah, 
I, we talked about it in depth throughout the Donnie era, but like, I'm not a Venom fan and I fell in love with Venom through Donnie. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. but I don't know. It's not a strong enough concept for me to like get into a billion different Venoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you don't need all the Venom stuff happening now. No, I'll, I'll read the little mini series they do. Eventually I'll catch up with Al Ewing's and Ram V's Venom series. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'm I'm not gonna get into Kid Venom or I don't know Earth eighty four Venom or any of this other stuff they're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's just too much going on. It's uh, you have to be really into a character, you know. Yeah, right. Like when they yeah. did the Captain America corpse and yeah. they did all the different ones. Like, of course, I'm all about that. Yeah, that's but, something you would get into and have every issue. Yeah, so I can understand why a Venom fan of that caliber would be really into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Mask Publishing announced a new project currently currently running on Kickstarter uh, called General Strike. Uh, Calexa and the other tales of fighting the good fight. This new comic will be an anthology about strikes, specifically the writer's strike and unionizing. The anthology is curated by Matteo Pizzolo and will feature writers that are in the uh, WGA like Graham Morrison, Brian Michael Bendis, Rodney Barnes, and more alongside and more alongside artists like Antonio Fuso, Josh Hood, Butch Mappa, and more. So that's pretty interesting that this is on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, and I, I'm actually gonna look it up now because I was just thinking about it. I, yeah. I don't know if it like the money goes somewhere. Yeah, it's already it's already funded, so um, Oh, it's been funded for some yeah minute one. You put Grant Morrison on the like all those names, but you know Grant yeah. Morrison on there, it's like okay, yeah, I know exactly what's happening. Da, 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 da. It's I, I personally I won't check it out. It's not really a. I'm personally at the point where the strike is too much for me. Like yeah, we talk about over and over again. Go get your money, all that bullshit. But right. I'm just done with it in my consciousness. Like, yeah. I, I just want to get past it personally. Yeah, I know. And to just keep harboring on this for me is not something I personally want to do, but yeah. I'm in the minority here because it's got, well, it's got way less than I thought it did, but it's got 180 backers. So, right. I mean, it's, it's definitely out there. I'm trying to see. It doesn't, it says say. we're launching. On the heels of a major victory for the WGA with a tentative deal, and for that, this comic is a celebration. So it sounds like they're just paying the creators, and no one is really going anywhere. Yeah, see, that's that's unfortunate. I wish it went to some sort of thing to help other unions. Because one of one of my personal, if I can get personal for a second, one of my personal issues with the whole strike was it's. Well, I understand it's helping people that aren't big names. It's like a lot of big names and it gets a lot of recognition. Mm-hmm. But then like the railroad strike, nobody talked about and it got right. shut down. Right. <laughs> so it just for me personally, like it just it, it's a bad look that it. uh Because you have a celebrity, because you have Matt Damon, as I keep saying when I talk right. to people. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to talk about it. But when it's like a guy like me working on a railroad. Right. Nobody It's cares. like, Oh yeah, just shut it down. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. But that aside, I'm really happy that they got what they got for it. Like they deserve right. to 
do all this stuff. And uh, there's a lot of great talent on this book, man. Like, yeah, there is. It doesn't. I don't, I don't know who this. I'm guessing this character is going to be their main that they're going to show throughout it. Oh, Jamal Eagles doing some art too. Yeah, I mean the art's fantastic. Yeah, uh, the covers are really cool. Like personally, where was I like this one? It's classic image. Yeah, it's really cool, but not something I'm going to back personally. Yeah, me either, but there's some cool stuff here. Um, yeah, I don't really need to read a bunch of comics about strikes. <laughs> it's not really my forte, I would have to say. Oh, right here. With money going to the strike fund. Oh, okay. So it is going to a fund. Okay, so... It is going to a fund? I'll, I'll take back that criticism right there. If it's going okay. to some sort of fund to help striking That's or good. strikes or something, good on them. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's on Kickstarter now, folks, so go check it out. If you're a Graham Morrison fan, I think it's hard not to be. Uh, love that dude, so yeah. go check it out. Um, or, like, or Mike, yeah. if you're on Kickstarter, Tough Stuff, The Toughening Part 2. Oh, Kevin Degato's new book is on there. Yeah, that's, that's something you really should be throwing your money at, to be honest. <laughs> None of that other bullshit. Uh, Kevin's a good dude, fan of the show friend friend of the show friend of the show check it out all right let's talk about what we read this week i uh i read comics but it was all one series i, I caught up on peacemaker tries hard oh nice uh kyle starks and steve Pugh. yeah this book is absolutely like i read issue one and i was like okay i gotta read all i have to read all five that day uh it's hilarious there's some great shitty villains involved and some shitty heroes. Same, it's the same tone as the show. Everything you said about it's true. I feel so bad for Peacemaker because he just wants a friend. Uh, that like demolition team that he fights, the construction crew was amazing. Um, that whole interaction was awesome. I, I, and I just think it's great. I, yeah, I'm loving the series. Kyle Starks is killing it. Um, so I read, yeah, all five of those issues, and then I read, I caught up in Queen of Swords, read the finale. Um, you know, that was good. Interested to see if they do anything else with that. Uh, and then I, so the only other issue, well, I read the, I read the, uh, Superman manga, talked about that earlier. Um, the only other issue I got to this week, so I got a, I got a, you know, pile, a digital pile of stuff. I, I did get, uh, I had to give creep show number one a shot because it did come back out through image comics. Uh, creep show is like the horror anthology, uh, from back in the day. So, the first issue has Garth Ennis and Becky Cloonan uh, and Phil Hester. So there's two separate stories. Um, Garth Ennis has one as the first story and uh, his story is really fucked up because it's Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that. You mean, uh, you mean the guy that created cross? Yeah, dude, it's some really weird shit of like this dude keeps like, he keeps like using the restroom and having visions that he's like, like crapping out a baby, like a fetus. And it's like haunting him. And then it come to find out his, like, he's really against like, he's, he's like pro life and he's like harming women and all this stuff. And it's like a really dark and evil story. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. Uh, and somewhat political, but uh, Garth Ennis, man, uh, it was like I read it and I was like, man, I, I felt dirty like reading this. Like this is like so 
making me so uncomfortable and such an awful story that it's like it just kept getting worse. Uh, so classic Garth Ennis. And then the second story is about like a zombies, predators, like living underground and that this um, that this like archaeologist finds. So, you know, it's a horror anthology. I really like this. So I'll probably keep up with Creepshow. Um, you know, it's some fun stuff like Tales of the Crypt style stories. Uh, but that's all I got to, Chris, because I had to catch up on Peacemaker. <laughs> so I, I read a bunch of stuff. So a little bit in the front, we talk about Death Note, but Death Note Volume 3. Yep. Which is I'm sorry, book three, which is actually volume five and six of the manga. Okay. Um, <laughs> shit gets weird. Um, there's dude, there's a third, there's a third guy that has the Death Note now. The first two that have it don't remember having it anymore, and they're working on with the team that's trying to capture the guy that has the Death Note. And it all goes to shit because he works for some big corporation and he fucks it all up. And then they end up catching him and it ends with them like surrounding him uh, and him like literally, I think, I think it was literally the last page. It's him in the car with like them surrounding him and he's got a gun to his head. Oh geez. And that's when I was just like, yep. And I jumped on Amazon and I bought book four. It's, <laughs> I, I don't understand how it, it, so it feels like it's dragged out. Because a lot is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple concept that they've... Dude, there's six of these, so that makes 12 volumes. Okay. But it keeps being intriguing and new and interesting. I just... I love this book. It's lived up to every hype I've ever heard about it. And nice. it's just... It's really good. I awesome. highly, highly recommend checking it out. I read Blade number three. Oh, I got to read that. Yeah. Yeah. In which uh, Blade kills weird octopus dude and then finds out that like he has to steal Lucifer's sword in order to oh. defeat this villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Dr. Strange shows up because, you know, when you're talking about magic and like demons. And of shit, course. Yeah. Naturally. Strange. Uh, so I didn't realize this came out. And so I actually read. Uh, issue one and two of this but black hammer the end is coming out right now mm-hmm. and this is basically the what's the end mm-hmm. but it's the uh crisis on infinite earths for black hammer so like uh, all the cool. different earths are being being attacked by anti-god if you remember mm-hmm. anti-god from the original series and now they have to find this new collection of heroes to defeat it Meanwhile, we find out that Abraham Slam and a few of the other original cast, uh, actually, we found this out a few volumes ago, that they were given an actual uh, town to live in, like a farm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dog's going nuts. Yeah. But it's in a parallel universe, which is basically our universe, Mm -hmm. in which the Black Hammer comics are a thing that they can read. And the, the... daughter of black hammer has to find uh or finds that earth and lands on it and then (laughs) hold on for one second yeah the cat the cats and dogs if i can comment on what's happening the dog is chasing the cat around the it's amazing. Yeah, I'm not editing that out. Yeah, the, that's, the that's... dog and cat do not get along, and normally no. I try to keep them apart. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the daughter of Black Hammer is on this parallel Earth, 
and she's decided to stay there to keep her family safe but the uh-huh. kids are not happy about it and all this stuff and they find the comics and decide that's their way to get back home mm-hmm. is that they find out who wrote these comics like because when you read through them it's exactly what happened to them it's you know the comics that we read mm-hmm. years and years ago and all that meanwhile like um uh Colonel Strange and all of them are trying to put this team together to fight Black Hammer, but it seems useless or Black Hammer to fight Andy God, but it seems like it's not going to go the way it, you think it is. And what's mm-hmm. great about the team is it's very, it's very DC-esque. So like the Abraham slam they find is uh, an agent of the Soviet Union. Oh, okay. And um, the, the barbarian they find is actually a, a warlord. And mm. so it reminds me of like, it, it, dude, they're pulling, this was hundred percent something that Jeff Lemire was like, I would love to do a DC, but they just never would give him the chance. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you can just tell. Yeah. And, uh, the great reveal at the end is that when they find the comic and they're trying to figure out who, who's creating it, like if there's something about it, the name of the author is an anagram for Randall weird. So Colonel weird is somehow Uh, as well. So, Black, I mean, I love Black Hammer. Um, yeah. I'm kind of happy that it's coming to an end to a conclusion because mm-hmm. it's been a lot over the years, but it has, yeah, it's such a good series that, uh, unfortunately, with like delays and time in between uh, series and everything, has tended to fall by the wayside in my reading, but mm-hmm. it's always a good book. Yeah, it is. Void Rivals number four, really good stuff. Uh, another Transformer shows up in this. A lot of good nice. stuff. Marvel Unleashed number two. So the pet Avengers finally find Throg and they go to fight this demon. And in doing so, they get trapped in the ninth circle. So Mike, you oh. know there or sorry, the tenth circle. Tenth circle. So Mike, as you know, there's nine circles of hell. Yeah. This is the tenth circle of hell. Interesting. Okay. That was created by this demon who we find out is Mephisto's son, who is amass this army in the 10th circle and wants to bring it to earth to, to destroy everything. Mm. Um, Dr. Strange's dog ghost shows up in this. Uh, and there's a great fight between the pet Avengers and Craven the hunter in this. That's cool. Another Carl Sarks book, not quite as funny as peacemaker tries hard, but a right. uh, quality book. Nonetheless, I always enjoy the pet Avengers. Nice. I'm really sad you didn't read Batman Neo Gothic number three. I know. Because a lot of good court battle stuff happens in this. Oh, really? Yeah. So the basics, there's something happening up top with that guy who's trying to create the light city. Mm-hmm. And everybody's trying to get a hold of Terry, but he decides to go into the hole and deal with the court of owls. Yeah. And uh, we get a lot of like, the stuff that you're going to remember from quarter Vials to happen. I won't spoil too much on that, but okay, dude, fucking great series. Avengers number five, really good stuff. It's, it's been a lot of fighting these like Neo gods. And, uh, my only complaint is that Jeb McKay has created a formula for the first five books. I can tell mm-hmm. where he builds and builds and builds. So we can get this one great line at the end. And, I really hope the next issue kind of concludes this or at least concludes something here and goes further because it's been three issues in a row now 
of them fighting these gods and us trying to figure out who they are and everything. So it's it's getting a little repetitive, but mm-hmm. still fairly good. The last issue of Masquerade came out, Mike. Oh, it did? And it's really good. Okay. There's a lot of explosions, a lot of uh, people ripping skin off. Of course. And uh, like any good comic, Mike, there's definitely a chance for a sequel. Of course. <laughs> Kevin Smith wouldn't take advantage of that. And just, yeah, great Kevin Smith lines as well. Dude. Mm-hmm. Like calling someone a disposable foreskin. Yeah, yeah. They, you, you read that book and you know Kevin Smith is right. <laughs> yeah. Immortal Thor number two came out. And this one deals... So Thor fights that uh, other thunder god, but it's like a, it's a god above gods, if you remember from the first issue. And he fights him, ends up pushing him out of the realm somewhere else, so kind of just pushes the problem away. Mm-hmm. And this issue deals with the fact that Thor now has the power of Odin as well, so he has to do the the Odin sleep. So throughout the book, he's getting really, really tired, Mike. Mm-hmm. And he's taking Odin sleep. Mm-hmm. But when he gets away and tries to, of course, Loki shows up. Mm. And uh, bad things happen. But uh, good issue. Good issue. I like that they're expanding the fact that Thor is the king now and dealing more with that. that yep. It's definitely uh, something that Donnie didn't do enough of when he mm-hmm. was doing his, as much as I enjoyed that run. Ultimate Invasion number four, the quote-unquote last issue. But if you remember from uh, Night Terrors, Mike, there's another issue that's definitely the final issue of this. Oh, boy. The basics of this issue is that we find out that Howard Stark helps the maker create the the time device to go back in time and forward time. Mm -hmm. And in doing so also gives one to his son, Tony, who then implements it into one of the armors and then takes on the mantle of Iron Man. But wait, Mike, Mm -hmm. he doesn't call himself Iron Man. He calls himself Iron Lad. Oh, boy. And if you know your Kang history... Iron Lad was Kang's original moniker when he was trying to be a hero before he was turned and became Kang. So it looks like in the new Ultimate Universe, Tony Stark is Kang. Oh, wow. But we'll see. Uh, Well, he has the time device, right? So, yeah. Yeah, the next issue is going to be Ultimate Universe, uh, whatever they're calling it, Unleashed or something. And I'll be interested to see where that goes. Uh, Just a couple more. New Burn, number 11. Really good issue. It's hard to really explain the book. It's a great crime noir book about mm-hmm. like mob bosses and shit. And if you're into like Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips stuff, it's Chip Zdarsky and uh, Sean Phillips' kid. Oh shit, I'm forgetting his name, but similar art style because mm-hmm. it's a kid. And I'm I'm really enjoying that. Another Chip Zdarsky book, Capitara Universal Truce Number Two. Um. So you remember those like those dog things I talked about in the first issue mm-hmm. that were like pugs, but they're the size of cows. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, Mike, they can transform into tanks. Okay, because reasons they don't Why explain not? it. Yeah, comic book science. So where the first issue ends, where we find one of the guys' companions from Earth, and they turn in these like plant things, they all decide to get on these dog tanks and go to this place that's supposed to transport them back to Earth. But of course, they get double turned and have to fight and everything and then it ends with the good guys win and they go into the, this castle and when they get there 
it's just the He-Man Rogues Gallery. Oh, uh, wow. Just like perverted in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a very He-Man-esque book, just done yeah. in the Chip Zdarsky way. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great book. I actually just bought the first volume because I found out that this is actually a sequel. Oh, okay. So I think that says a lot that I'm really enjoying it, even though it's a sequel. And I never it's read the first sequel, one. Yeah, that's cool. And then The Devil That Wears My Face, number one, which is out as you're listening to this today. Uh, great book. I mean, it's The Exorcist with like a twist where... Mm-hmm. this demon takes over a kid and then the nexus comes and he tries to cure him but in doing so the demon takes over the priest oh, and the priest gets stuck in the kid's body and we find out the kid's soul is already like gone oh no so now we got this like demon walking around a priest's body so only good things can come of that Mike. yeah yeah of course it's gonna be great for everybody it's a really good like gloomy dark book uh-huh. with a lot of blood Oh, okay. So I I recommend it. If any of that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. Oh, yeah. Mike, that was everything I read this week. Nice. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter, or can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter or any social media network you choose. And you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also at FortressComicNews.com. If you want to support the show, uh, like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the YouTube version of this. Five-star reviews on the podcatcher of your choice and patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. And uh, yeah, thank you all so much for listening this week. We'll see you all here next week. <laughs>